Hello, and welcome to the Real Estate and Red Deer podcast. I'm your host, Andrea Wiseman. And I'm your co-host, Mike Wiseman. I'm a realtor in Central Alberta, and this podcast will focus on anything and everything real estate related, as well as life in general living in Red Deer. On today's episode, we are going to be talking about two humans who enjoy torture, pain, endless suffering, endless suffering, often in the middle of winter, often in the middle of winter. So this podcast is about us and how we've moved 12 times in the past 10 years, how we've owned homes all around Red Deer in almost every single old neighborhood and even a home in Kimberley, BC. Why have we chosen to move so many times in our lifespan? So I suppose this podcast is really just going to be a conversation about our journey through homeownership. Would that be safe to say? Sure. I think we're going to talk about what we looked for in homes, like why we chose those homes, why we invested, how we lost money, things that can relate to your real estate side of things. But maybe we should also talk about like how mental health played into a lot of those decisions as well from my side of things. The best place to start, I guess, is how did we get into home ownership in the first place? Well, we were living at your parents in their basement in Sunnybrook, and they were starting to... Get sick of us? <laughs> yeah, so this is what? Early 2009. And you had just graduated from real estate college yeah. of sorts, and right. I think we, we moved to Red Deer because I had just graduated as well, and we had nowhere to go. We were just floating. So anyways, we're living in my parents' basement trying to work out of an office in a fourth level with no windows and, and no real creative atmosphere. And we just needed to get out. I think the intent was always that we wanted to get into our own house. It was just a matter of how would we do that. Uh, the biggest problem being was that I was self-employed with less than two years employment records, which makes it very difficult to get a mortgage as a first-time home buyer. How did we determine where we wanted to end up? Like, what was our, like, ideal house that we wanted to get into, and how do we figure that out? See, I don't remember that. I just okay. remember walking through old neighborhoods. This is it. This is exactly it. So we'd drive around town, and we'd find a neighborhood that we liked, and we'd stop, and we'd walk around. Was that really how it started? Yeah. We would go drive around neighborhoods that I thought were great neighborhoods and but walk why, around. And Why did we like the old neighborhoods? Like, what, what was that calling to us? Because now I don't remember. I think it was more just because we didn't feel like we needed a big house. Mm. We liked the character in the old neighborhoods. We liked mature trees. We liked being close to the trails. So we would just go find those neighborhoods and walk around them and then point out houses that we liked. We found this house. It was 225. Our parents decided to gift us our kind of belated wedding gift of a help of a down payment. The windows were new. The roof was newer. It, it was like mid nineties. So still had lots of life left in it. So like the big ticket items were really done and the windows was a huge one, but the house was just tired. It was just like, there was nothing cosmetically done to it. It was kind of like perfect for us. It was rental beige and we knew we could paint. Okay. So the first thing we did is we painted the floors on the top level, all white because we're crazy, painted everything upstairs, made it really cute, made a master bedroom and an office. The following renovation, we knew we wanted to get that use out of that basement. So we gutted it. We put some drywall, we, or we framed it. We put some drywall. We renovated the bathroom completely. I think we added a washer and dryer instead of a shower. And then the rest of the basement, there was a bedroom and then kind of like a flex area space. It was really small, but it worked out really well. Yeah. So fast forward now, and uh, we're in there for about a, 
a couple months, I'm pregnant. I've got a baby on the way. And then we realize that while I'm pregnant, there's no bathroom upstairs where we're sleeping. So I have to go up and down these stairs four, five times a night. And it was started really wearing on us. And and I think at that point, right before we had the baby, we're like, I don't think we're going to be here very long. But then we're just like, you know what? The market's picking up. Let's throw it on. Let's make it cute. Let's stage it really nice. Let's just see what happens. Like we weren't in the mood to move. I think we were just like, let's see what happens. Let's throw it on for, you know, two, I think what, two sixty nine nine. Yeah. Something like that. Bought it for two twenty five. We put in say $10,000 just to, to be safe and then probably paid out five, $6,000 in commissions. So. I'd say we made maybe around 25, $28,000. Yeah. I don't know. Cause it was somewhere in there. So yeah. we're making, so on our first home, we're making 25 to $28,000 right there just in a year. And yeah. We, and this is a couple of kids with like just barely a year's worth of experience in the real estate market. We were borrowing tools to do most of the work. Like we didn't have a garage at that house either. So it was like storage concerns and that sort of stuff, right? Where we would move to next was sort of like our biggest problem though, because at that point there was almost no inventory in older, older neighborhoods in that price mark between like 225 to 285. Like we wanted to stay in that realm. So we sort of ran into a problem. There it was an inventory problem. There was no nothing good to move to. Yeah. And we kind of panicked a little bit. We panicked <laughs> hard and we bought a home in the neighborhood of Michener Hill. And this home was renovated by someone we know. It was renovated, you know, quite well. It was super cute. Now we live in Michener Hill. It's an okay house. We don't like the location, but it's working for us as a small family. And then all of a sudden we're in the basement one night doing our work in the office. And we hear like a knock at the window that's right beside my head. It's like 10 o'clock at night. And we're like, what the hell? I'm like, did I just hear a knock? Well, I look around and I can't see anybody out windows and I open the back door and there's this cracked out dude standing at the back door expecting me to let him into the house like he lived there. And I'm like, man, you don't live here. And he just stood at me with this dead glare. And I didn't know what to do, so I just shut the door and locked it. <laughs> and then he started kicking in the door, like kicked it in. He yeah. tried to kick it in so hard, there was like indents in the door. Yeah. I was I was on the phone for the police at this point. I was panicking because we had a baby, like yeah. a six-month-old baby. After that happened, we were just like looking for a way to get out of Michener. So we sold that house to a friend of ours and it kind of got him on his feet. Like it helped him get into home ownership. Yeah, it was, was his good. first house. And then we ended up buying... My parents' house in Sunnybrook. Yeah, we got it for a really good deal. Yeah, it had been on the market for a, a crazy amount time. of time. It was a nice house, but it was getting a little bit dated. And the layout didn't make sense for a lot of people. sucked. The master bedroom's window looked into the carport. There was no light in that house. Like when you came into the house on the through the side door, you basically came into the shitter. It was horrible. There was never, there was no place to put your your shoes. Well, that house had two major drawbacks and the back two-piece bathroom was a huge one because it made no sense. You come into the house and there's nowhere to put your shoes, like Andrea said. And then the other problem was that there was four bedrooms upstairs and only one bathroom. So the bedroom to bathroom ratio was all whacked out and people couldn't figure out what to do about it. The home is a large four level split L shaped and it has a flat roof. Yeah. And it was still a tar and gravel roof, which is nowadays frowned upon. (laughs) It's not the type of roof that most people want to see. It's high maintenance. It requires a lot of work. So your parents did take really good care of that home though. It was immaculate when we bought it. Yep. 
It was in great shape. The bones were great. All the windows had just been updated. It was a slam dunk home for yeah, us. Super and nice hardwood throughout. You would think we could have just stayed there forever, you know, grown into it. But we renovated it for $30,000, which to mm. now for $30,000, you're not doing shit. That was a $100,000 renovation now. But yeah. back then it was 30,000. We blew out walls. We re-drywalled. We put an ensuite in the master bedroom. We, we changed the balance of the house to from four bedrooms and one bathroom on that level to three bedrooms and two bathrooms with a full ensuite and a walk-in closet. And this is probably the house that we made the most money on. Because mm -hmm. we ended up selling it around the 460s and we had bought it for 300 or somewhere More or less. More or less. Yeah. More or less. I think we made probably over 100,000 on that reno. Uh, we felt lucky then. The dice were hot. Well, the dice were hot. We yeah. were ready. We were like, okay, here we go. Let's do this. We sold that house and we were like, what's next, man? Yeah, what do we do now? We can do anything. And we ended up buying a, and if you drove through this neighborhood, you would know exactly which house I'm talking about, but it is craftsman styled. We would bike through the neighborhood and see this house and be like, oh, this, we want to, we want to buy this house. But there's never anybody there. Yeah. And then one day we saw the guy there and we're like, is this house for sale? And he's like, do you realize that the interior is not done, right? And we're like, ka-ching. Oh this is perfect. <laughs> yeah. So we, he gave us a tour of the house. It was basically, he opened up the walls, did all the framing. He had... Everything was resupported. He jacked the house up another foot so the basement was proper height. Like he had jackhammered out the floor and put in-floor heat in this house. He put an HVAC thing in there, which the I HRV still don't know. Exchange. What, I still don't even know what the point of that thing was. He had plumbed in a master ensuite that was just gorgeous. So the upstairs, which was typically a two bedrooms, was now wide open and just this beautiful master suite with like a huge ensuite and big tub and a tile shower, dual sinks, closet built in. It was just beautiful. It was so gorgeous. So anyways, we, it was gorgeous, but with our vision. Cause but it, it wasn't, was just drywall. Yeah, it was just drywall. There was nothing there. He had bought the materials for it. Um, and so when we presented our offer to him, he was like, I will include the materials. And so he got us to drywall stage and we finished the rest of it. I love that home. I love the yard in that home. The garage situation, which was like a, a separate, it wasn't a garage, it was a studio where we worked was amazing but then we had another child <laughs> this house was not designed to have two another children child. in it yeah we got to a point where the house just was not functionally working for us we uh had the crazy idea i mean this is our what fourth house now in yep three four yep and we we're like well let's put it on the market let's put it on for you know, whatever, what we think is fair. People like, thought we were crazy when that house came on the market. We put it on for, well, we started like way high. We were out, totally out of, out of point. Did we start at 480 I think we started like something stupid like that. So we ended up, I think, down at like 430 or something. People still thought we were crazy at that price. They're like, there's no way you're going to sell that house for over 400000 mm -hmm. And we did. And to a wonderful couple that still lives there, they added a garage and they loved it. You know, sometimes you think it's crazy, but there are people who will buy your product especially that lifestyle. If you can sell that lifestyle, you can sell the idea of like, you know, we had a wood burning fireplace in there. And when we were like staging, we were making sure that we had like the fire lit and the smoky smell and, 
you know, we had that setting. When did we end up selling that house, Mike? Middle of winter. Middle of winter. And that's usually right? when houses came up that were a good opportunity. Like, and we would always kind of stumble across these deals in the winter. And what did we find? Well, we found... Mike's dream renovation. And I've been talking about this forever. Like these little 1960s bungalows, like the Sunnybrook, Sunnybrook Mount View West Park specials. Three bedrooms up, one bathroom, maybe an ensuite, half bath. But they're just like square boxes, like from a real estate perspective. Technically, they're rectangle boxes. Yeah. They're essentially like, if you list one as a real estate agent, they're the easiest to measure. It's literally two measurements. It's a, it's a rectangle. We ended up paying a amazing contractor to renovate that home for like $100,000, the whole home, the entire home. Shout out to Jonas Granberg with Svea Contracting. He did, he did an, an unreal job on that house. Amazing job. And we did literally everything except for the shingles. The shingles, I think, were the only thing that we did not do. We cored out windows in the basement to make them egress, proper egress windows. We framed the entire basement. We blew out walls upstairs. We put in engineered beams to open up the kitchen. This was the most substantial reno that we've done. Mm -hmm. It was pretty much tip to toe outside of a couple things. We're proud of it. And put in easily a, a solid 100000 into that house. Yeah, we loved it. But then I got seasonally depressed. <laughs> and But no, <laughs> it was more than that. I think I had postpartum depression. A lot of our friends at this point, a lot of our friends were leaving. There, had some, there was something really big that happened in our life with a couple friends of ours that lost their daughter. And it was pretty eye-opening for them. And they had made a lifestyle change and they decided life's too short. We're going to go live our best life. So that sort of like opened our eyes and our heart to like explore possibilities of like, okay, well, if we're not happy here, where can we be, where can we go to make ourselves happy? What can we do to change that will introduce the idea of like living your best life? And for us, it started sounding like Kimberly, BC. Because Mike was really into backcountry skiing at the time. I wanted that mountain lifestyle. So yeah. we were like, oh, okay, well, we're next. Let's go. Why yeah. not? Why not, Kimberly? Let's just let's just get through this one as fast as we can because this one hurts the most. Bought it for 180 We found a contractor to renovate it who was highly recommended from a lot of people. I mean, yep. he did great work. Yep. But holy moly, did it cost more than he told us it would. And, and it took way more time than it would. Yeah. So he was over budget and over timeline significantly, which By, drove us nuts. We we had been on him constantly from day one to be like, just keep us updated on the budget. We just want to know where we're at. So we know that we're like within our, what we have for money to do this renovation. He's like, yeah, yeah, no, you're fine. It's totally fine. And he would add things in. Like he redid the stairway into the basement, which we never asked him to do. He resupported a whole half of the house to build this addition on the on the upper level like it got out of control super quick mm -hmm. and when he finally gave us a budget which was close to about the time he was supposed to be done and he wasn't even halfway through the renovation he had already blown through the budget it was done we had two kids a brand new dog two houses a reno mike wasn't doing that great in real estate that year i woke up one morning and i was like we have to stop right now there was too many signs saying don't do this yeah I slept in that house three nights mm -hmm. to finish the renovation and put it up for sale. Uh, so we sold that house. We, we sold it for like three fifty. We paid one eighty. We didn't make any money because all of that renovation money was put into that. So we lost 
maybe $10,000. And we bought another house in Sunnybrook just on this wonderful stretch called Selkirk Boulevard. It was a cute, renovated 1080 bungalow, amazing home, concrete driveway, you know, up and down renovation, no garage, but it had a big shed. But the neighbor, <laughs> but the neighbor lady, and I don't want to put anyone's name out there, and I don't want to say where we lived exactly, but... Bless her soul. She was a kind old woman who had good intentions. Kind as being nice. But she just hated us. Like, she, And I think she had a history with other people because on the other side of her home, there was like a nine-foot fence. But for us, she would just nag and nag and nag. And it was constant. It was like, and we're really, we keep up with our house. Like, our home is maintained. Our leaves are raked. Our grass is mowed. Our dog's poop is scooped. We are ideal neighbors. Ideal. We're quiet. Our children are nice. Our pets are very well behaved. No, they're not. But that's okay. (laughs) Death by a thousand cuts. That's right. That's like the perfect way to describe it. So uh, eventually I had a kind of a compost pile going because I was doing a lot of like permaculture learning. And one day she leans over the fence and she's like, I'm going to report you to bylaw for this open compost pit. And I was like, what the heck, man? Like, what's going on? Like, why? This is not how you reacted. But I remember, yeah, you're right. I blacked out and all of a sudden I look at her and I'm like. It was the middle of summer. I'm in the house and I can hear Andrea yelling expletives at this 75-year-old lady over the fence. And I just did not go near the door. At some point, you just have to draw the line and say, that's enough. you got to leave me alone, okay? And so that was my that's enough, you've got to leave me alone conversation with her in the form of a lot of F-bombs. And after that, I think she kind of like, she cooled her jets. But it was just like too little too late. We were in there for about a year and a half. And what did we do next, Michael? We bought an acreage off my cousin, and this was going to be our forever home. Yeah. Mike, what was the thing, what was the part that you learned the most out of that, though? Everything costs more on an acreage. Yeah, it does. Way more. Yeah. Like, you think something breaks, and it's like, an it's a more complicated existence it on was, an acreage. It was an exercise in spending a lot of money. Yeah, and it was enjoyable. Like, it, it kept us busy. That's one thing. You never have nothing to do at an acreage. There's always something that you can be doing. In 2020, when all the offices are closed and all the coffee shops are closed, like between appointments, I'd have nowhere to go. I'd be sitting in parking lots waiting for my next appointment or driving out 20 minutes to go home for a half hour and then come back into town. It just, it was wearing on us. It was, Mm -hmm. it was tiring. 2020 was also the year that we had a hard uh, real estate year. We only did about 20 deals. Financially, we were starting to suffer. We had to borrow money from my parents to make ends meet, to pay off our mortgage because the mortgage payments were the highest we've ever had. If we were going to have another year like that, we couldn't figure out how to make ends meet. So by 2021, by the end of 2020, we had already put the house up for sale, I think. 2021 is when we sold it. Yeah, and there was nobody interested in 2020. It was just like nothing was happening in 2020. We had a lot of showings. Like tons tons of, showings. of showings. But no yeah. one could wrap their head there. Like, oh, no. Oh, it's too expensive for an acreage. All of a sudden, 2020, 2021 hit, and it was like everybody wanted our acreage. So we sell the acreage, and then we have to find a house in Red Deer. <laughs> Where did we go again? <laughs> well, well, we we almost bought a house in Morris Row, and that, uh, that didn't work out so well. And then we started to 
kind of panic a little bit. And uh, we knew uh, a guy had bought a house that we had looked at the year before when we were trying to sell the acreage and couldn't sell it. And he had bought it and done the renovation on it already. Now we're in Sunnybrook. We don't need to talk about exactly where, but we're in a really good space in our life. Does it bother you that our reputation then is for us to buy and sell houses? No, I kind of think it's funny. It's a fair assessment of us. I mean, we cannot be trusted to stay in a house for more than two years. I think the acreage was probably the house that we stayed in the longest, and it was like two and a half years. Mike, what was your least favorite house? Sunnybrook with the legal suite. It was a money pit. It was like every time you turned around, something was not right or something weird was happening there. It just had like this bad juju. Yeah, but the, whoever bought it are happy there, and they renovated. They're still there. They updated the windows. They they did a lot of things. And you know what? It, to me, as long as people are still living in the homes that we've sold, I think almost all of them are, except... Michener. Michener. I mean, then that makes me happy. It just means that we've sold a home that these people are like, hey, this is a good place. Good yeah. enough that we're here for a while. If you can go back in time, what would you have done differently? Are we talking about just life in general? No, like the houses. And I know we just said no regrets, but where would you have called it? I don't think I would have. Every single house that we've been in has given us a different perspective and a different experience. And I think that's added value to us for both our personal growth and for our business growth. So I don't think I would say that there's anywhere that I would have stopped. I agree with you, though. I would not have done anything differently. We learned so much along the way. We learned things about acreage living that we, you know, now we can confidently sell an acreage and that personal experience is super huge from a business standpoint. Totally. Like people who sell acreages, but have never lived on an acreage will Mm. never have the same knowledge as somebody who's lived on an acreage and lived that experience. Well, anyways, that kind of sums up our story about all the houses we've owned in Red Deer. I hope you guys enjoyed listening to our experiences and have learned along the way because we have learned quite a bit. If you guys have any questions about our experiences or Red Deer in general, just give us a shout at mike at mikewiseman.com. Thanks for listening and don't forget to subscribe to the podcast.